Growing up in my house, we had a phrase which was, no pressure, no diamonds. I think one thing that my brothers and I have is we definitely have a sense of grit and what it takes to succeed. And th I think this will resonate with a lot of people. It's not just about being smart. It's not just about being lucky. It's not just about working hard. It's about all three. And I think people who tend to put all three together, you know, I think that's called luck. <laughs> you know, you have the opportunity to work hard, work smart, and use the talents that you have and, and cultivate additional talents. Like, you know, I don't want to be flippant about it, but I think, you know, no, no pressure, no diamonds for us growing up was just a reminder that things are going to get hard. Things are not going to be easy. You can work as hard as you like and something still might not go your way. So there's always going to be some kind of pressure, but that's, that's how we grow. And that's how, like, that's, that's the fire that toughens the steel. So you shouldn't be afraid of it. You should never be afraid of hard work. You should never be afraid of being uncomfortable because it's through that experience that we grow and we get better. Kenny Vaughn, I play for Team Breakline, and I am joined once again in the booth with my partner in crime. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the Breakline Arena. We are so happy that you are choosing to spend your time with us. And as we kick things off, Kenny, we have some really dope news to share with our faithful listeners. Ooh, let's do it. Let's do it. I love dope news. Y'all, we just surpassed our 10,000th Download of the Breakline Arena, yeah, yeah. Okay, I see y'all live in them streaming streets. Let's go. Oh, 10,000, my goodness. We could not be more excited. Oh man, thank you all so much for your dedicated listenership. Thank you for helping us get this word out. Y'all know we just getting started in this here arena. So to all of the arena faithful, thank you so much for your loyalty. And you know we got some more great content coming your way. Speaking of great content, mm -hmm. we had the chance to sit down with one of our alums, Jayshree Atri. She just landed an amazing role at Benchling. And before we dive into this episode, I would love to give our listeners some additional context on Benchling. For those of y'all who might not be in the know, Benchling is a fascinating company and they were founded on the premise that biotechnology has the potential to solve humanity's most pressing challenges. As you think about diseases, as you think about renewable energy, clean water, access to food and resources, Benchling really wants to be that cloud-based platform that enables scientists to do their highest and best work. There are hundreds of thousands of scientists all around the world who are doing this research, and Benchling wants to be the tool that allows them to do it in a collaborative way, that allows them to do it in an efficient way, and to move away from some of the archaic tools that have been, quite frankly, commonplace within some of these very specific scientific uh, fields. So it's a fascinating company. Oh, by the way, they are also a rocket ship. So super excited for Jayshree as she gets ready to enter this chapter. Before we dive into this conversation, Sophia, what were your favorite takeaways? Yes, I mean, this this conversation was so fun. Jayshree is just spicy and fires us up. And one of the pieces that she talked about and one of the mottos in her family growing up was, no pressure, no diamonds. And if that doesn't just sum up 
the attitude of so many of our brake liners who are absolutely down to just get down in the trenches, work hard, and to thrive in those situations when there's a ton of pressure. Jayshu kind of kind of spells out the instances in her life when really all of that culminated in her achieving massive life events. So I that part of the conversation really resonated with me and definitely spoke to sort of the ethos that we see all the time here at Breakline. Okay, okay. I see your no pressure, no diamonds, and I'm going to raise you authenticity because there's a point in this conversation where Jay Shree talks about really just conforming in the workplace to make herself more palatable or what she thought would be more palatable. And she would do things like dye her hair. She would do things like tell her coworkers to call her Jay instead of her full name, Jay Shree. And she has evolved and arrived at a point in her career where she said something that was just really profound to me. And she said, I've reached a point where I'm not willing to make myself uncomfortable to make other people more comfortable. And I just really love that insight because I think the way that we show up in the places and spaces that we spend so much time is so important. So to see her just grow in that confidence, especially as a woman of Indian descent, it was just amazing to hear. So I'm excited that she shared that insight with our listeners. And I don't know about you, but maybe we should go ahead and give the listeners what they came here for. I think it's time. We will see you guys on the other side. Jay Shree, how are you doing today? It's, it's great to be here with you. I'm doing so well, and thank you for having me. Well, I want to just dive right into it because we are here on the cusp of some very great news. I know you have just landed a very cool role at Benchling. You made this beautiful LinkedIn post. You got your Benchling swag on. You've got your canine friend with you. Can you share a little bit more about what this moment means to you, joining Team Benchling? Yeah, for me, it is a homecoming. You know, I started my career as a scientist, like many of my fellow Benchling colleagues, you know, and as I have been at the company now for two weeks and talking to people and getting to know folks, you know, so many people have a similar background as me of coming out of science, coming out of academia, and then zigzagging in their careers and just really you know, going in several different and maybe even non-traditional directions and then coming back to Benchling is just, it's, it really is like a homecoming, both in the sense of I'm in a place where all of my skills, both business and scientific are valued, but also in the sense that I'm among colleagues who have shared experiences. And those are some very unique experiences that not many people have. So I'm very happy to be there. Couldn't have done better. (laughs) So yeah, it was just, it was a big home run. If it's okay with you, Mm-hmm. I would love if we could take it all the way back for our listeners. Can you share a little bit more about your childhood, your upbringing? Maybe tell us a little bit more about your parents. would love some additional insight into the foundation of your origin story. You want to go all the way back? Let's take it all the way back. <laughs> yeah, so I was born in room 304. No, I'm joking. <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, but I'm, I'm originally from Lowell, Massachusetts. I'm very proud to be from Lowell, Massachusetts. It's a little town in northern Massachusetts on the close to New Hampshire. And, you know, I'm one of four. I have three brothers. My parents are, they're both immigrants. I think my parents did a really good job of also 
maintaining the joy, maintaining their spirit, maintaining their duty to the community and their desire to give back. Like those are all great things that I think immigrants do really well. So as you can imagine, there were some wholesome lessons <laughs> to be had in our household. The, the number one thing that was always emphasized is get a good education. And to that point, my mom is a real, she's a tough lady. You know, she, she did everything around the house and she really did clear our paths so that us children could just focus on studying and improving ourselves and doing the best that we could. And as an adult, I appreciate just how much she did and giving us that kind of opportunity to really not have to, you know, worry about the day to day. So we really could be full-time students. And that's a luxury to just be able to study and not have other responsibilities. It paid off. (laughs) All four of us have graduated from, from great colleges and we're all doing very well. For myself in particular, I went to Washington, D.C. I went to George Washington University. I was in the honors program. At one point, I wanted to go to medical school, so I was studying biology and anthropology because I wanted to understand health inside and out, top to bottom, molecular level, economic level, and everything in between. I decided medical school may not be right for me, so I took a gap year, and in that gap year, I did a master's degree. That was a definitely very intense year of my life. Did you say you did a, a master's degree during your gap year? Yeah, my well, my gap year was a master's degree in biology. So I was not relaxing. There was no backpacking across <laughs> Europe involved. But I think that was just the work ethic, you know, that was if I'm going to take a year off, it's going to be it's going to be worth it. I'm going to do something valuable with it. So, you know, I did figure out I didn't want to go to medical school. I may have gotten a lot of gray hair over that experience as well. But essentially, I ended up in Germany researching. I decided I wanted to go into academia and research instead of medicine. And when I was in Germany, it was it was a tough conversation. But the, the person I was researching under in Germany took me aside and kind of mentioned like, hey, you know, your communication skills, your business skills, your project management skills, are they're very strong and you're a good scientist, but you're even better at this other stuff. And... Nobody wants to hear that when you've been dedicating your entire life, pulling in the long hours, studying, getting advanced degrees. Nobody wants to hear like, hey, you're good at this, but you're even better at something else because you have a plan and you want to stick to the plan. Um, but you know, in the end, the, the, the feedback was warranted and it was valid. So I returned to the United States and I ended up going into consulting. And consulting was a wonderful experience to, to just get the opportunity to work with different industries and different types of business challenges, both in the federal and commercial spaces, working with all sorts of different colleagues who who had different backgrounds than I did. So it was an incredible learning experience and just a couple more hops and skips, and here I am. So this is one of the things I love about our Breakline community is the humility and the stories that we share with each other. Because you glazed over some pretty big accomplishments there. <laughs> and you know I'm trying to I'm trying to keep it short. Well, we got some time. You know, we we got some patience here in the arena. So we got okay. <laughs> our listeners, our listeners want to hear the details. And so like literally, you were a double major at George Washington. Not yeah. an easy double major either, biology and biological anthropology. And you know, I just I would love to hear just any insights that you took away from seeing your parents' work ethic? I know you touched lightly on the immigrant experience. What were the pearls of wisdom that you took away from your mom and dad's experience? What were um, just the words of encouragement that they gave you in order to allow you to pursue your dreams in such a focused way? 
Yeah. Growing up in my house, we had a phrase which was no pressure, no diamonds. Oh, snap. So, yeah. And it's, it's, it's tough, you know, and even hearing that as a kid, it was meant to be inspirational and it was meant to be motivational. I think one thing that my brothers and I have is we definitely have a sense of grit and what it takes to succeed. And th I think this will resonate with a lot of people. It's not just about being smart. It's not just about being lucky. It's not just about working hard. It's about all three. And I think people who, who tend to put all three together, you know, I think that's called luck. <laughs> you know, you have the opportunity to work hard, work smart, and use the talents that you have and, and cultivate additional talents. Like, you know, um, I don't want to be flippant about it, but I think, you know, no, no pressure, no diamonds for us growing up was just a reminder that things are going to get hard. You know, things are not going to be easy. You might be really, really smart, but at some point you're going to, you're going to get a bad grade or you're going to run into something that you just don't automatically know the answer to, or you can work as hard as you like and something still might not go your way. So there's always going to be some kind of pressure, but that's, that's how we grow. And that's how, like, that's, that's the fire that toughens the steel. So you shouldn't be afraid of it. You should never be afraid of hard work. You should never be afraid of being uncomfortable because it's through that experience that we grow and we get better. So I think anytime we were ever going through something tough, uh, I didn't always get a lot of sympathy from my mom, <laughs> but I did always get a lot of guidance of you got to keep marching forward and you got to pick yourself up. You know, if you want to graduate, this is what it takes. If you want to be a successful scientist, this is what it takes. If you want to get to the next step, it's not going to be handed to you. You're going to have to earn it. That's advice that I even live by today. And in some cases it is a bit harsh. And in some cases, you know, you do want to give yourself grace. And I think that's where I get my grit from. I would say maybe there's better ways of earning it in some cases. Not everything has to be such a battle, but uh, I would definitely say it was it was a great lesson to have. I, I would rather have earned that grittiness from those experiences than, than missed out on those opportunities because I, my my whole family, I think my brothers and I will all say that it's really contributed a lot to our success and our mindset. So I absolutely love that that truism that was shared in your household. And I think that's been one of the most consistent themes that I've seen not only across our community, but as we think about some of the tremendously successful leaders within the tech industry that have come and shared their time here in the Breakline Arena, that is absolutely a consistent theme. And, and I love how you mentioned it's the combination of hard work, it's the combination of the smarts, and it's a little bit of luck, right? And the culmination of those three things really leading to long-term sustained success, I think you are absolutely a testament to that and really appreciate you sharing. Would love if you could take a little bit of a deeper dive into mm -hmm. where you've had to see this mantra play out in action, where you're faced with just this adversity, you're faced with this challenge, and you had to fall back on that wisdom that was imparted inside of you by your mother. Yeah, well, I think uh, a lot of a lot of academic people will share the pain of having to write a thesis with me. <laughs> and uh, the the beautiful thing about being in the STEM field is there's this added wild card of unpredictability because in order for you to complete a thesis, you need data. And in order to come to get your data, you need to do experiments. And the thing about experiments is sometimes they go wrong and sometimes you don't get the expected results or sometimes you incorrectly calculate the whatever or you, the, you forget to turn the machine on overnight and in the morning, nothing happened. <laughs> 
all of these things happen and, and it's just it's a it's a pain it's it's kind of like something that we all have to deal with because the thing about science is it's, it's not a linear path where you just do a little math and you put something in a beaker and it turns different color and voila science it's it's an experimental process and part of that is you test things and and the answer could be yes this is what i thought was going to happen and sometimes the answer is no this isn't what i thought was going to happen back to the drawing board so um just completing a thesis was was a humongous challenge, you know, and um, doing it in such a short time frame was a humongous challenge. And just constantly having that pressure as the days and weeks are going by, knowing that you're on a timeline, knowing that there's a limited, it's, it was a lot of different factors. And I know you asked at one point about long hours in the lab. You know, I was in the lab for sometimes 14, 16 hours a day, and I would... <laughs> Sometimes when I had to sleep, I would just, when no one else is around, you're not supposed to sleep in the lab, so I guess I shouldn't be sharing this, but I would link together rolly chairs and just like sleep across two or three rolly chairs and just get a quick nap because I had to stay up to to get the analysis of, of experiments that were running through the night. So that was tough. That was really hard, and it was also hard to be away from my family because when you're doing bench research, it's really hard to plan things and build in time for vacations or even weekends. So missing a lot of family events like birthdays and anniversaries. I have little cousins that I I love so much, but they don't really have much of a relationship with me because I just wasn't around a lot when they were growing up. And that's that's really painful, you know. So these these things, they require not just personal perseverance it requires sacrifice it requires just giving something of yourself up for for something ideally bigger than yourself so that was obviously a high pressure moment in the end i i did finish the thesis it was completed i did get the degree it was through a lot of blood sweat and tears but i think the biggest takeaway from that is you just have to do like sometimes you just have to keep marching forward, you know, even when it hurts or even when it doesn't feel like, you know, you quite know what you're doing or even when you're just feeling like you're hitting a wall, like just sometimes taking that step forward and just taking another step forward and another step forward is like, I mean, it's going to get you closer to your goal. So so I think like, yeah, you just you just got to pull it out deep from your heart and, and make it work. I think a lot of people have been in similar situations, you know, I mean, I'm saying it's a thesis, somebody else might have had a degree or somebody else might have had a, a tough living situation that they were in or somebody might have been in a tough financial position. I mean, people or health problems, like people struggle every single day with all of these things. And how do you get through is just one day at a time, one step at a time, and you have to just keep marching forward. I love that perspective. And one of the things that I wanted to just ask you about is for the inquiring minds who want to know, can you give us a little bit more insight into the research that you were doing? What was your thesis on? I know that you got a chance to do some of your research abroad in Heidelberg, mm -hmm. so would love if you could just give us some additional insight into the work that you were doing. Yeah, it's exciting because I think the, the things that I was exploring at that time, which is a little while ago now, now it's, it's become a little bit more mainstream, which is exciting to see that even though I've left the field, the field kept going, and that's, that's how it should be. So when I was in undergrad and grad school, I was exploring the role of endosymbiotic bacteria in modulating the host immune response against pathogenic infections. So that's a lot of jargon. And what it basically means is we have bacteria that live in our bodies. 
and we're curious as to what they do. And we have a hunch that these bacteria that live in our body may actually be working in tandem with us and they may be giving us some kind of boost to our immune system. So that in the case that there's some additional infection, in the case that there's some other germs or, or bad actors out there that want to try to infect you, it's not just your own immune system, but it's also these endosymbiotic bacteria that are giving you a boost that are kind of protecting the whole host system as a, as a team. So um, an example of that, that's like a real world example is probiotics. You know, probiotics are super popular. People have probiotic yogurt, probiotic drinks, probiotic pills, all of those things. And we know, we know that our gut health in human beings is very complex. Like we still don't understand all of the ins and outs of how those bacteria affect our health. Like there's even research coming out about how gut bacteria and the health of the gut microbiota is linked to Alzheimer's. It's, it's really incredible about how little we know and how much opportunity we have to explore and uncover these things. So I wasn't researching in human beings, by the way, I was using uh, models in the lab, but you know, it's cool stuff. And I, I like to always try to give an example of how it's applicable and how it could like, what does it mean? Like, what is the point? We're sitting in a lab and, you know, pipetting all these random liquids into other random liquids, but there's a point to it all. And, and, and it's just this amazing discovery process. So that was the, the kind of undergrad and grad research that I did in DC. I absolutely love this, and I believe it's it's fascinating because when we found out that you were headed to Benchling, I was like, ooh, this is going to be absolutely perfect. I know we're skipping ahead a little bit, so I don't mm -hmm. want to take us too far down the story. So appreciate you sharing some more insight into the research. Talk to us now about stepping into industry. So mm -hmm. you've spent this time in academia, you've got your you've got your undergrad, you've got your master's degree. Now you're stepping into industry, and your first job was actually as a consultant at Deloitte. Is that correct? Correct, yeah. What was that transition like for you, especially as your first pit stop in your young professional career? It was good. I think it was definitely a net positive experience, but I think that initial transition was, it was hard. And I, it was, it's funny because uh, a recent graduate actually asked me, some advice and they asked me as I'm kind of starting my first job what are some things that that I should know or how was it for you you know what was it like for you so it's it's very this, this is still very fresh in my mind and I think the answer that I gave and the answer that I'll give to you is you know I I I have learned the lesson of whenever in a new environment it is best to close your mouth and open your ears to be blunt <laughs> um, and, I, and what I mean by that is you know it's it's always great to extend people the respect that they are also smart individuals. I am a smart individual, but also giving the respect to other people that you're also smart and I have something to learn from you. And um, just kind of giving yourself a chance to be a rookie and just kind of understand that, hey, you know, it's going to take some reps to get the experience level where you can really be like a solo flyer. So the best thing I can kind of say is, and these are lessons that I, that I earned. You can read between the lines of what earned means. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, these are lessons that I that I that I earned around you know just just let like if you're a rookie be a rookie be committed to learning be committed to having an open mind listen more than you're trying to uh, contribute super early on and of course you know if you allow yourself that time you'll put yourself in a good position to really figure out okay well 
what do I have to contribute that matches what people need from me? Who is it on my team that, you know, I can lend my support to? What are the people who, what, what are people doing that I actually have something that I can bring to the table to, to support them? Because it's, it's better, in my opinion, to kind of get the lay of the land. And that was something that I had to kind of learn. And I think that was the beautiful thing where I had all these skills coming in from the laboratory of, you know, we have all these buzzwords like, you know, uh, hypothesis-based thinking, critical thinking, data analysis, like, oh, you know, all these great terms. I, I, I had that, but I think I learned a lot of those soft skills and those business skills of, you know, how to work with a team, how to be persuasive and influence decision-making, how to, how to present ideas in a way that's going to get people to buy in, you know, how do you... How do you be a good leader? How do you be a good mentor? How do you support other people around you? How do you how do you figure out what is it in you that you can bring out of your background that's going to best serve the team or the project or the mission in that moment? So those are things that I had to kind of learn. So to me, having those having that combination, I think it just matched my personality so well, and it was a perfect growth opportunity. Um, I liked working at Deloitte a lot. I liked working with the clients that I work with. A lot of them were in the federal government, so I got to feel like. I'm helping the people and the government do their job, and ultimately the government serves the American people. So I, I loved being part of that mission. It was just all a lot of good stuff. I don't know if I'm getting off topic here. <laughs> no, this is perfect. This is perfect. And I think one of the cool things about this is getting a chance to see all of the work that you've done in an academic setting now play out real time in practice and what i also love once again is just the humility right to be able to to listen to seek the mentorship to seek the help in order to avoid some of the common pitfalls right i mean i think to your point some people step into their first professional experience and for lack of better words they gotta learn things the hard way Right? Because, that was me. That's how I learned all these lessons. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Well, give us, give us the tea. Give us the tea then. Come on, give it's, us the tea. I think, you know, when I, I guess, I mean, I can maybe be a little bit clearer. You know, when I say I earned these lessons, I earned these lessons. Well, you go know, on, give the listeners, give the listeners of the arena the tea. Go on, give us a vignette or two. We'd love to hear what you mean. I, by I don't think it's anything. I'm, I'm just that classic kid that was the smart kid in school. I was used to not having to study. Things came naturally to me. I really relied on my on my academic background. I relied on my brain. I was used to being a smart a, a smart person in the room and I kind of came into the situation saying, "I'm a scientist. I know things." <laughs> and I was a scientist and I did know things, but I was I, I in, in some cases I overlooked the fact that there were a lot of things that I still didn't know. And I may have had so many accomplishments in one field, but I was in a whole different, you know, I, 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 they say little fish, big fish, small pond, big pond. I was in a whole different pond. You know, this is a whole different pond with whole different fish. And um, I had to have respect for that situation. And that was a lesson that I learned quickly. But yeah, you know, sometimes you have to learn those things the hard way. And especially, you know, if you're, if you're one of those people that school came easy to you, you, you know, you try things and you're kind of just naturally good at a lot of things on the first try you can have a little bit of cockiness. And I definitely had a little bit of cockiness. And sometimes that can still come out, but I think at this age and with this much experience behind me, it comes out in more of a, a friendly tongue-in-cheek kind of way rather than a, I know everything, I have nothing to learn from you, don't talk to me, I know what I'm doing, let me take this. I, I, I don't like to approach things that way. So where did the paradigm shift come in? Because if, if I'm hearing you correctly, there's this evolution of thought, right? Where you have had this level of ease in accomplishing, for lack of better words, very difficult tasks, right? I mean, really 
complex field of study that you majored in, you're doing this research, you're hitting home runs early on, but then there's this paradigm shift in how you have to conduct yourself in the workplace. And so we'd love to hear if there was a particular moment that led to that professional evolution. Was it a mentor that pulled you to the side? Was it introspection? When we talk about paradigm shift, I, I think we're talking in the order of degrees here. It wasn't a complete 180. <laughs> Luckily, otherwise, you know, we might not have been having this conversation <laughs> if, it, if I had to do a full 180. But I think for me, the, the big thing is I, I just really wanted to do a good job. When I first came to Deloitte, I really was like, I, I'm here and I just want to do a really, really good job and I want to be a success and I, I, I felt like I wanted to, me succeeding would be a sign that it was the right decision to leave science and my success would be the, the, it would be the proof that everything that I had done until that point, it was not in fact a waste, it was just steps that I had taken to get me to this point. It wasn't like my whole identity was riding on my success, but I have something in me where if I'm going to do something, I want to do it well. And if my name's going to be on something, I want it. I want to be proud of that. So I, I really just think it was the fact that I wanted to do a good job. And at the end of the day, the proof is in the data. And if I was not getting the reaction that I was looking for, if I was not getting the the kind of success or the kind of, if I, if I didn't feel like I was doing what I needed to be doing to get to where I wanted to go, it, very quickly I was like, something has to change. And I think we talk a lot in the startup world about pivot early, don't be afraid to, to make changes, don't get married to your ideas. I mean, I think that's a very science mindset in a lot of ways because you have to go by the data. And if the data is saying what you're doing isn't working, you, you have to change. Something has to change because you cannot just keep doing whatever you want and expecting different results. That's not... That's everyone knows that that doesn't work. So even though I was young and even though I was really wet behind the ears, it's just, it's very simple math. Uh, that was really what turned the corner. I love the framework that you put on that, by the way, because I think to your point, there's so many lessons that have to be learned over the course of a professional career. And I think being able to short circuit that evolution of professional growth, being able to take a step back and say, hey, the approach that I'm taking right now is not necessarily giving me the desired results and desired mm -hmm. output. How can I shift? That's such a valuable tool. And I think it takes a great deal of emotional intelligence to be able to do that. So I just wanted to give you a kudos for being yeah. able to have that level of introspection because that does, that does come with time. And so to see you be able to do that at such an early stage in your career, I think that speaks volumes. And I'm really glad that you're able to share that with our listeners. So speaking about having to evolve, having to change things around, I know one of the topics that we talked about in preparation for this conversation was the topic of burnout. And as you shared earlier in the conversation, there was a point in your in your career where you were working 14, 16 hour days. You then stepped into consulting, which for those who aren't familiar with the industry is a very taxing industry mm -hmm. to be a part of. So can you give us a little bit more insight into that evolution? First, just having to face like these very long and strenuous periods and seasons 
but then how you're able to course correct and ultimately move into a place of sustainability in your professional career. Yeah, I think the topic of burnout is one that is, it's so topical right now. I think a lot of people are struggling with burnout and it, it could not even just be burnout in regards to a physical feeling. It's, it's a lot of mental burnout that people are experiencing from being cooped up and there's a lot of demands and expectations on people at this point in our society's history. It's, it's just a tough time right now for a lot of people. And I think for, for me, a big thing was just understanding what burnout is and what it looks like and what it feels like. I, I realized that it was my ambition that was driving me to burnout because I wanted to do everything and I wanted to be everything and I wanted to do it the best. <laughs> and it just, it wasn't sustainable, you know? And I had this attitude kind of going into my, my education my higher education, that I should be able to take 21 credits a semester. All it takes is a little bit of hard work and I should be able to do all of these. I, I just always had this attitude of all it takes is a little hard work, some planning, especially you see all of these folks on LinkedIn, on social media, that they, they have 17 kids and they're running a farm and also they're on the Fortune 500 list and they volunteer on the weekends and they also you know, and, 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 and yeah. so you kind of feel like, okay, well, if I just wake up at six in the morning and drink seven glasses of water a day and have a planner and just cut down on my sleep and eat an avocado toast and, you know, replace my diet with Soylent, then I'll be, I'll be good to go. <laughs> um, so I really, and it was, it was, I mean, I think like looking back, that's a very, naive mindset that's the mindset of somebody who doesn't have a lot of like world experience life experience to think that you can push yourself to that limit and still come out in one piece it was the the kind of mindset of somebody who's putting ambition before everything else and yeah that's how you get burnt out surprise surprise so i think for me the big thing was just like i i had to i had to kind of break before i bent and i i kind of had to get to a point where it was just so unsustainable and so wearing me down. Like in my master's program, I joke about it, but like my hair started falling out, you know, cause it ended up having like this physical effect on me. And mentally, if anyone asked me, I'd be like, I'm fine. Like I'm totally okay. I'm completely sleep deprived. And I've only been eating like steamed broccoli and oatmeal for the past, like however long, cause that's the fastest things I knew how to cook. Like it's, it's one of those things where, you know, if anyone asked me, I'd say, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. But you know, it, it had to get to the point of like physically manifesting in my body for me to realize like, this is not how human beings are supposed to live. And I think in some ways it's gotten even worse because we have hustle culture now, you know, you can't just have a job. If you have free time, you have to be jam packing that free time with something. And for me, when I was studying, it was, I always felt a sense of guilt. Like if I had free time, it was, well, I, that was free time that I should have been studying, or I could have been reading a paper, or I could have been working on a manuscript, or I could have been doing tutoring hours, or I could have been doing something, you know? And again, like, that's just not how human beings are meant to live. It, it's just, it's just not. And um, like I said, I had to kind of break before I bent and coming out of that experience, it was Again, a painful lesson that you learn, but sometimes it's the painful lessons that you learn once and you only have to learn them once. And when I, when I came back to the United States and when I was working at Deloitte, I made a promise to myself that I'm only going to do three things at a time because I know me and I know that I'll, I'll try to overcommit myself again. I'll want to be doing 10,000 hobbies and volunteering with people and helping this person and that. I, I know myself and I know I have a tendency to get overloaded. So 
you know, I said, I'm going to do three things. One of them can be working. So you can pick two more things. And I, I made a conscious effort. I said, you know, I want to live a lifestyle where I have time for my friends and family. I have time for the relationships with the people who matter to me. Um, you know, I, I want to have a quality of life that is, is not going to be running me into the ground. Um, so for me, that's what burnout looked like. And I know I said earlier, no pressure, no diamonds was what I heard growing up. But, you know, like any advice, if you take it to its extremes, it doesn't serve you any longer. And it was through those experiences that I kind of learned, like, you know, when is the right time to quit? And that sounds really bad because no one likes using the Q word. Like no one wants to be a quitter. Nobody wants to quit. No one wants to talk about quitting because quitting is like an admission of you failed. And I think for me, that is something that I would tell anybody now, which is just know when to quit. Like know when something is not serving you anymore. Know when you're in a situation that is not benefiting you. Know when the amount that you're investing is not going to be giving you the returns that you're expecting. I mean, again, it's just simple math where if you're putting something in and you're not getting out something that's healthy or sustainable, you have to evaluate. And sometimes the right answer is walk away or recalibrate or reevaluate or dial it back. And um, that's really the opposite of what I heard growing up. And that's really the opposite of what a lot of the success culture will tell you. Success culture says do as much as you can. And once you've given that, do some more. And um, I'm kind of, I'm interested in challenging that. And I'm wondering like, can success culture just be, you know, make the make make a valuable contribution and focus more on quality not quantity focus more on impact rather than output yeah i mean these are just things i think about (laughs) you know what's cool about this is i think being able to go back and really revisit what it was that led to that ultimate break before you bend kind of state of being I think that's so important and I I do not envy any young professional coming into the working space these days because social media is a beast right and even have I mean even to have professional social media when like you said you're on LinkedIn and you've got these people and they're getting these awards and accolades and you almost feel this pressure to have to perform to have to and that that's tough that's really tough. And so, you know, it reminded me of a phrase that my teammate Lauren Fall always shares with our breakliners is, you got to run your own race. Yes. And I think that is what I drew from what you just shared is the ability to be comfortable in your own skin, knowing how you can strike that balance and say, hey, I'm picking three things, right? These are the three things I'm committing to and this is it. And then mm-hmm. I'm going to run my own race. I thought that was so important. And then the other thing that I that I thought as you were sharing too, is that I think wisdom definitely serves us for different seasons in our yes. life, right? And I think as I think to some of the wisdom that your parents shared and that you've received over the course of your career, different different things are needed for different seasons. And so as you enter this new season, I think it was really cool that you were able to recalibrate and say, okay, now that I am in this new, this new station in life, I got to apply some new rules because I got to be thinking, how do I play the long game? So really love how you um, really ran that back for us. Wanted to kind of ask you about a, 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 a situation that you shared in your, in your break line application. And it 
deals with this opportunity that you had to compete in with Techstar Startup. So, oh, yeah. yeah, would love if you could just play that back for us, kind of give the listeners some insight into what that experience was and what you took away from it, because I thought it was really cool the way that you teed it up and what you took away from that experience. Yeah, I have to remember what I what I wrote. Hopefully <laughs> the story that comes out matches what I put in, because um, I guess I've been part of the Bricklane family for a little while now. Yeah, Techstars Startup Weekend was really fun. For those who don't know, Techstars is a venture capital group and they host a startup weekend. And Startup Weekend is basically, sometimes they organize them according to themes. And you're basically trying to solve problems. You meet people in a group live, you pitch your ideas. If folks like your idea, you form teams. And it's kind of like a friendly competition amongst peers, colleagues, folks in that particular vertical or industry or sector. And and it's kind of, it's similar to a hackathon. It's similar to just kind of like a, a, a little challenge. In the end, you pitch and investors provide their feedback. And if ideas are good, you may, you never know. You might end up finding colleagues and taking the idea to the next level. You might end up getting some attention from somebody. So there's a lot of opportunity in, in a startup weekend kind of event. So uh, I went there and I wanted to participate in the event. And that was pretty much the only goal that I had. So I ended up coming up with this cool idea. I pitched it. People thought it was great, but unfortunately no one wanted to be my teammate because I mean, while it was a fantastic idea, I guess people just didn't think it was that cool. <laughs> but you know, everyone else, by the time I figured that out, everyone else had already formed teams. So I don't know if, have you seen Squid Game? I have seen the previews. I haven't, okay. checked, I haven't checked it out yet. No worry. I was going to try to say, you know, we were the kind of ragtag group in the squid game uh fighting for our lives in the in the startup weekend um <laughs> it wasn't that extreme but essentially it was this this gentleman who had shown up he all he had was a domain name for a website called freebeer.com and i do believe it still exists so if you wanted to i guess you could check it out and see the fruits of my labor but essentially it was a group of of myself and a couple other gentlemen and all we had to start with was a domain name. And if you know anything about starting a business, you typically don't start with a domain name. You typically start with a product <laughs> idea or at least the problem that you're trying to solve. <laughs> so it was it was this kind of backwards way of innovating, but it was it was it was really fun in the sense because of two reasons. One was it was just this cockamamie concept. We we ended up having to reverse engineer like what could the what could the problem be that we're trying to solve? You know, people want free beer big problem, big issue in our today's society. The solution, how do we get people free beer? Um, where do you go to do this? Freebeer.com. So it was it was very silly and it was a lot of fun because it was silly. But at the end of the day, we actually ended up creating a really cool concept. And the reason why is because, um, not to toot my own horn too much, the, the experience that I brought to the team was just the project management of, hey folks, like this is the order of operations we should go in. Let's start with the problem. What are we trying to do here? Okay, now well, let's come up with the solution. Let's brainstorm like, okay, great solution, but will people buy it? If so, how much for? Like how many customers do you think we could get? What kind of platforms? What kind of channels? You know, like, you know, what would it, is it a software product? Is it a tangible product? Is it like, what are we doing here? And within one weekend, we actually ended up doing like customer testing. We printed business cards. We were able to go around on the streets of New York City saying, hey, if we were able to offer you free beer, like, would you be into it? And we got the survey feedback. We built a website. Like, it actually all really came together. It was a very kind of Hollywood movie arc. Who can argue with free beer? 
you know and that's but it was just it was just like it, it was like one of those hollywood movies where it's just like this group of underdog like you know like 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 cool i love cool runnings it was such a great movie i grew up watching cool runnings all the time and it's just the, like the concept in cool runnings is jamaican bobsled team those are two things that typically don't go together so i felt equally ragtag underdog free beer and venture capital i don't you know like maybe those are two things that you don't maybe maybe you're being offered free beer at the VC meeting but you know as a product concept or as a new startup idea that that doesn't really usually make a lot of sense but you know it was it was fun and and we actually ended up taking third place um so I, I think all things considered it's pretty good what I love most about this story is the part that you shared about on the surface they, this may look like a trite idea, but when you really apply the experience, when you apply the systems thinking, like it's surprising how far you can take what seems like a simple idea and actually put some legs behind it. So I thought, I, I just thought it was cool. I wanted our listeners to be able to hear a little bit about this experience, so I appreciate you sharing. One of the last things that I wanted to ask you about, there's two, two final topics I wanted to approach with Absolutely. you. Absolutely. The first of which is, as a woman of color, Mm. can you share some of your experiences as a working professional, the good, the bad, the ugly, anything that's top of mind that you'd like to share for our listeners about your lived experience in these spaces? Absolutely. I think, uh, so, so because this is a podcast, I can, I'm happy to share my background. So I am... Uh, Indian, born in the United States, but raised as an Indian woman. And um, I think for me, the the challenge that I had is a very unique one because in the STEM field, in medicine, in, in research, in tech, the Indian community is a very well-represented community, and it's a community that has a lot of respect. So in a way, there's a lot of cultural capital that I acknowledge that exists, and we absolutely, you know, I absolutely built on that. And I feel like in some cases, I, I heard a lot of comments growing up of like, oh, you're Indian, of course you're good at math. Or you're Asian, of course you're good at science. Or you're like, you know, like, do you also play violin? Do you also play piano? You know, you, you hear a lot of those things. And, and there are a lot of stereotypes around, you know, the Asian community as well as the South Asian community. And, you know, we, we do have a lot of representation in the fields that I decided to go into. So so I acknowledge that. I I do think despite that, strong cultural background and despite having a community around me. I grew up in the 90s and uh, the community wasn't really that strong and it really wasn't all that well established. And of course, as South Asians, even in the past 20 years, there have been ups and downs, you know, post 9-11, if you looked brown, that was definitely a challenging time to be a a brown person in this country, you know? And and very recently with um, the the Asian hate crimes that have been going on, it's been a very tough time to be an Asian or East Asian person in this country. And um, all of that to say like, yeah, definitely I have had situations, you know, I like to take a positive spin on things. So I, I, I don't personally feel like I, I have suffered as greatly as some other people have, you know, but, but nonetheless, I have also made conscious efforts throughout my career and throughout my life to to make my life a little bit easier by doing certain things like dyeing my hair blonde 
going by J instead of J Shree, trying to make myself a little bit more like palatable to the corporate environment. You know, even folks like my dad who come from a different generation, they'll tell you the classic advice of have a firm handshake, know how to play golf, have an opinion on whiskey, like know the latest football game stats so you can kind of have something to talk about at the office. And I think for me, you know, that was all advice that was, it was good advice and it definitely worked. It definitely made me more approachable and more palatable. And it made me connect with people that may have not really seen a lot of reasons to connect with me in the past. Um, but it came at a personal cost. And the, the point that I'm at right now is I'm not really willing to make myself uncomfortable to make other people comfortable if it comes to who hmm. I am as a person. And it comes to who I am with my identity. I have nothing to be ashamed of. I have nothing to be embarrassed about. The color of my hair, or my skin, or the, my, the name that I carry, like none of these things have any bearing on my capabilities or the content of my character. So I refuse to change those things. And I know the reality of the situation is, is that because I make the choice to not adjust those things about me, I may not in fact be everyone's cup of tea, if you catch my drift. But that's, that's, the, that's the privilege that I can exercise, and that's the drum that I can beat. And I think at this point I have the confidence and the fed up with it-ness, <laughs> whatever that phrase might be, to kind of say, hey, you know what, this is, this is how I want to live my life. And I know there's pros to it, there's cons to it, but I'm willing to deal with the cons because the kind of world that I want to establish is one where the pros weigh out. That being said, I realize that I'm in a position of privilege to be able to exercise that and throw my weight around in that manner. Like I, I, I tell people straight up like, Hey, you know, that guy who was in the Terminator and they're like, Oh yeah, Arnold Schwarzenegger. I'm like, great. So if you can say Arnold Schwarzenegger, you can say Jay Tree. Oh, come on. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I insist on things like that. You know, I insist like, please say my name correctly. And I'm, I'm so lucky to be working with colleagues who they care about those things. And it's just so, so simple, but just having someone call you by the correct name or even call you by the correct pronoun like these things matter and 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 for me you know that's that's something that i am willing to go to the mat for a little bit i'm so grateful that i have to go to the mat less and less and less because things are changing you know it's been a long long time since i've had to insist that somebody call me jaytree instead of jay it's been a long time since i've you know had to correct somebody on how to say my name now people say hey before before this meeting starts can you please tell me how do you say your name i want to make sure i'm getting it right and you have no idea even you did that for me kenny you have no idea how respected that makes me feel and just the kind of arc in this this little bit piece that i'm talking about right now like where we've come from and where we've gone in just 20 years is incredible to me now i I don't dye my hair blonde anymore. I don't say, hey, my name's Jay. <laughs> uh, that's stuff that I didn't think I would be able to do and thrive in a corporate environment 10 years ago. You know? I'm, I'm really glad that you shared this. And I think for you to just share this evolution in how you've been able to show up as the fullest and best version of yourself. And that takes a lot of courage, right? It takes a lot of it takes a lot of hushpa to be able to say, hey, look, you're taking the time to learn how to say everybody else's name. You can take the time to learn how to say my name too, out of respect, right? And so I think what inspires me most about this is when you do that, you empower the people around you to do the same thing. Yeah. And that is such an important step in this process 
of people feeling comfortable, people feeling seen, people feeling a deeper sense of belonging when they show up in the professional spaces. So really appreciate you sharing that. You brought up a great point, which is fighting for that. And I think for me, the big thing that has changed is you don't have to fight if people aren't fighting you, you know? And what I mean by that is times have changed. You know, people, people are changing their expectations of what does it mean to be professional? What does professional hair look like? What does professional dress look like? What does professional speech look like? What are these characteristics that it takes to succeed in a corporate environment, in a, in a business environment? We're, we're changing those rules to accommodate more types of people. And I think we're focusing more on the value that people bring to the table rather than these, in some ways, superfluous signifiers that ultimately don't bear much on what you can do. And what value you can deliver. And I think for me, I, I have had to fight for these things in the past, but it's happening less and less, you know? And I think that's because people themselves are changing. So I think for me, I, I would love to inspire the, the younger generations to be able to say like, yeah, stand up for yourself. But I also want to give a shout out to all of the allies who have been making space and who are changing their mindsets, and who, the people who are turning over a new leaf in their own thinking and, and being more open-minded to different types of people and being more welcoming to different types of people too. It's a two-way street. We're all in this thing together. <laughs> We're all in it together. Now, you know I can't let you get up outside the Breakline Arena without asking you about your Breakline experience. I want to give a shout out to our Breakline alum, Duke Fam, because mm -hmm. to my knowledge, he helped bring mm -hmm. you into the, the Breakline community. Can you share with our listeners a little bit more about your Breakline experience and how it's impacted um, your career and your ability to transition into your current role? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's several things. Being part of the Breakline network gives you access to a lot of opportunities that maybe you know, you wouldn't have, or maybe you would be able to figure out and piece together by yourself over some time with a lot of challenges. But Breakline is really just like a mainline IV of opportunity in a lot of ways. It just really kind of puts you in the fast lane for having the right conversations, meeting the right kinds of people. And there are, man, there are so many incredible people that are in the Breakline community. And when I kind of look at the gamut of who who is showing up, who is participating, who is part of this, who are who are the chosen <laughs> the chosen ones, who are part of the breakline community, you know, it is interesting because there's someone like myself who I did come to the table with a lot of business experience. I, I know breakline works extensively with with veterans, so I didn't really have a lot of the challenges of transitioning from service to a civilian life. But I still saw so much benefit in Breakline because they were able to help me answer questions like, okay, how do you negotiate equity? What does it look like to interview with a startup versus an established company? What are the different considerations that you should have for a company that's pre-IPO versus post-IPO? You know, if I'm going to be in the tech world, like what kind of expectations should I have? What is the culture like? What are the things that are acceptable or not acceptable? Or even just doing a lot of translating work. When I was in consulting, we had titles like consultant. <laughs> but now you go into the tech world and they have this. Like, like I'm an implementation consultant, but then there's customer success managers and then there's full stack developers and there's systems engineers and there's all of these different terminology that maybe you have all of those skills, but you're not able to understand like, okay, how does my value align to what companies are looking for? Because I don't know the language that they're speaking. It's a vocabulary issue. It's not a skills gap. So Breakline kind of helps demystify things like that. And plus, like, it is really nice <laughs> to just have somebody that you can call on the phone I consider myself kind of like a tough person. It's really funny. Like I didn't celebrate at all through the whole interview process. I don't know if you heard that. <laughs> <laughs> the 
throughout the entire interview process, people would be like, wow, Jay, sure you made it to the next phase. And I was like, it's okay. I didn't succeed yet. Let's not celebrate too early. <laughs> and they were kind of like, you need to relax a little bit. Like just enjoy, enjoy the ride a little bit. Um, but, but even though I didn't show it and I wasn't like celebrating, that's not the external way that I was kind of showing it. Like just having somebody that you can call on the phone and say like, Hey, I need a gut check. Hey, I need a pep talk. Hey, I just need someone to, to run this idea by, or I'm preparing for this interview. Can I, can I run it in front of you? Can I demo it in front of you? It's really valuable. Cause I mean, like I said, like, could somebody do it on their own? Yeah. But I would be, I would bet, you know, dollars to donuts and say, if you, if you did it via break line, it'll be, it'll be the fast track and you'll, you'll, you'll achieve success and greater success than you might have done if you were doing it on your own. Mm. Final question. Cause I want to leave you with the parting words here. Shoot. What's your advice? What are your words of wisdom for individuals who may be listening to this podcast who are trying to figure out that next step? They're looking for a little bit of inspiration. I think for people who are trying to figure out what their next steps, I would strongly encourage them to think internally, look within yourself and, and just be honest about what's the value that you bring to the table, you know? And, and I don't just mean like, how fast can you do XLV lookups? I'm not, I'm not saying, you know, how many reports can you complete in a week? It's, it's, you know, what is the value that you bring to the table? And the value is how do you make the people around you better? How do you make, how, how do you help people do their jobs better? How do you contribute? Like you have to really think about like value and its purest definition of what do you bring to the table? If you were to join a team, how would that team be different because you're there? Are you the person who is anchoring everybody, making sure everything's on track? Are you the one who is always the one who knows the compliance? You have the checklist, you're, you're keeping everyone on task. Are you the one who's pushing people to innovate and, and being the big sky thinker? Are you the one who's always talking about the art of the possible? Are you the one who's the Hufflepuff, gluing everyone together, bringing the team together, organizing the happy hours and making sure people are feeling acknowledged and appreciated and everyone's voice gets heard, you know, or are you the person who's like the get SHIT done person who's going to kind of come in and say, <laughs> all right, guys, we're here to mean business and you're going to be motivating the team. And there's so many ways to contribute. There's so many ways to bring value. So I would really say, first and foremost, understand the value that you bring to the table. And I think the second thing is, you achieve harmony and you achieve a success when the value that you bring to the table is aligned to the needs that X has. And I don't want to say company. I don't want to limit people to just company because I do think that there are so many next steps for people besides a company. There's there, You could be a founder. You can create your own company. You could go volunteer. You could just do something complete. I don't want to limit people. So I would say when your value is aligned to the needs that you're experiencing in that moment, that's when you can have harmony. And that's when I really feel like you achieve a level of flow in your life. That's when I think you have the best chance of being um, happy and satisfied. And I think that's how you avoid burnout. I think that's really where you can unlock a lot of just, just balance in your life. So I would really say, and just to kind of keep the phraseology simple, like when you're aligned to what people are looking for, good things happen. That being said, I would say, never be afraid to zigzag. I, I tend to make decisions in my life in the order of like one year out, two year out. And the reason why I don't plan super, super long term is because I ultimately have been through this enough times to have earned the confidence to say, I 
can always rely on myself. I, I can take chances if I zigzag in one direction and I realize this doesn't serve me. I feel like you have to believe in yourself that you are smart enough to still have lessons learned. You are confident enough and you are capable enough to turn that experience into a positive, learn what you can from that, even if it's, I don't wanna do X, but while I was here, I picked up these skills and now I'm gonna take that experience, translate it in a great story and go to the next thing. I would say never be afraid to pivot, never be afraid to zigzag. A couple generations ago, you would just work for one company for 40 years, get your pension, and that was your life. Now, people have so much opportunity to try different things, and in one person's career, you could try a dozen different things. Like, I'm on my third career at this point, and I'm 30 years old to give perspective. And it's not about being flaky. It's not about being indecisive. It's about pursuing the things that you think you can deliver value in a certain situation, doing it, trying it, contributing, gaining what you can from that experience. And then if it's working, great, continue on. <laughs> and if it's not working and if you're sitting there going, I don't know what to do, it's a pandemic, the job market's really hot, I'm not quite happy with my current situation, I'm thinking about making a change. Well then by all means, yeah, think about what is, it, what is the value that you wanna bring to the table and who do you think would be interested in it? or what do you think would be interested in and just and just pursue that thread and i will say you you won't go wrong if you follow that mm. jay shri where i'm from they call that a mic drop moment <laughs> i don't know if i'm cool enough i don't know if i'm cool enough for a mic drop <laughs> yeah where, where where i'm from i believe that's what they would call a mic drop moment oh, i appreciate man. you i appreciate you're gonna carry you. me through the through the next couple days that's a high <laughs> compliment <laughs> i tell you what i appreciate you my friend and i think one last thing that i want to share is this is one of the reasons that i absolutely love when our alumni are able to come back and share their stories in the arena because there is so much wisdom that you've just shared in your career based off your experiences, the evolution that you've had, the lessons that you've learned. And what I am most excited about is that now you're at a stage in your career where you can really take the sum of the body of work that you've had to this point and apply it rigorously to this new opportunity that, that you're taking on at Benchling. So I know this is a busy time for you. You're within mm -hmm. your first 30 days on ground getting started there. So on behalf of the entire community, we thank you so much for making the time today and just giving us more insight into your story. And folks, if you enjoyed what you heard this episode, we just need you to do one of three things. Hit that like button, hit that subscribe button, and if it really touched your spirit, go ahead and leave us a review in Apple Podcast. It helps us get the word out. It helps us continue to share this great content. So once again, on behalf of the entire Breakline community, Jay Shree, thank you so much for sharing your time. And folks, we will see you once again on the high ground. This is Kenny Vaughn signing out from Breakline HQ.